This podcast is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favourite online betting company. The Bet365 app lets you access pre-match and in-play markets and provides instant match updates across the biggest sports. Bet365's Bet Builder lets you create personalised bets and calculate the odds for any football match right there in your hands. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome to this bonus edition of Straight Out of Cobham, the Chelsea FC podcast from The Athletic. On this special show, we're reflecting on a magnificent night at Stamford Bridge as Chelsea beat world, European and soon-to-be English champions Liverpool 2-0 to book their place in the FA Cup quarterfinals. We'll also look ahead to Sunday's meeting with the blue half of Merseyside and get an update on Ruben Loftus-Cheek. All that to come on Straight Out of Cobham, the Billy Gilmore Loving Edition. Yes, hi gang, we're back again for the second time this week. It's a virtual get-together between myself, Matt Davis-Adams, and the athletic stable of Chelsea scribe Simon Johnson, Dom Fifield, and Liam Toomey. Hello to you all. Hello. Hello. Well, where on earth did that come from? Chelsea producing easily their best performance of the season at Stamford Bridge to see off a Liverpool side, which may not have been full strength, but still had the likes of Van Dijk, Fabinho and Mane in it. Uh, Simon, you and I were in SW6 to see the game. Felt like a statement victory for the team and maybe more pertinently for Frank Lampard. Yeah, definitely the the result of the season, I think, as far as Frank Lampard goes at Stamford Bridge, the the atmosphere is very much um, a Chelsea performance of old. And of course, the the, the final whistle bringing about the the One Step Beyond song, um, which is Chelsea's trademark celebration song, which the fans certainly enjoyed. But yeah, all in all, it was just a great night, a very important night for Chelsea, I think, in the context of the season. I think they can... uh, perhaps use this as a springboard. That's certainly what Lampard would be hoping to take into the, the Premier League because the standard was that high. Yes, Liverpool um, chopped and changed their side, but so did Chelsea. And um, the only downside was was a couple more injuries. But I think the positives far outweighed the negatives with, um, as you've already mentioned, Billy Gilmore. I think it's almost like the team fed off Billy Gilmore's performance, his youthful endeavour. And, and Chelsea will certainly be looking forward to whoever they face in the quarterfinals. Uh, Liam, Simon's mentioned him there. I'm going to give you the opportunity to gush over Gilmore. Uh, he, he's so cherubic, you, you kind of expect him to to knock on your door with a woggle and a negative, asking for a, a penny for the guy. Uh, but he's woken <laughs> up this morning with Fabinho in his back pocket. Uh, you've written about him previously for The Athletic. Uh, listen, you can see Liam's Twitter page for a link to that. How good was he last night and were you surprised at his level of performance? Yeah, he was really, really good. Um, I wasn't all that surprised, actually, by his level of performance because in the course of researching that piece, and I I spoke to the head of Rangers Youth Academy, um, that's kind of the the main voice that I I had in that piece, um, the the impression that came back of Gilmore was someone who it's impossible to face. You know, he he is so grounded um he's got such unshakable self-belief without being arrogant he's got the right sort of self-confidence um and he believes that when he's on a football pitch he's he's good enough to to do what he does against pretty much anyone and i think we we saw that and it's i don't know there's something uniquely thrilling isn't there about seeing 
um, an 18 year old come into an environment like that, particularly one that, as you say, looks like Gilmore, so small. He looks about 12. Um, come into that sort of environment and not just hold his own, but actually thrive and be the best player on the pitch. I thought he was he was superb with his with his passing, which has always been his 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 best attribute, his all round awareness. But the thing that probably came closest to surprising me, I would say, is his level of awareness out of possession. And um, you know, when he snuffed out uh one Sadio Mane run into the box and 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 tracked him in and, and got to the ball in front of him and shepherded it away. That's something we haven't really seen a lot um from Gilmore or from any other Chelsea midfielder actually this season. Even the more accomplished midfielders who start regularly for Lampard can't really count that among amongst their strengths. So that was a really encouraging sign for him and if he can be that kind of defensively aware then I think he is in a good position to get more minutes in the weeks ahead, particularly with some of the other injuries which we're going to talk about. Mm. Uh, Dom, it wasn't just Gilmore who shone. Everyone in blue and in Kepa's case, black was terrific. Uh, where on earth did this come from? It was a reaction, I imagine, to the frustration they felt against Bayern Munich. Um, they a, a fixture with Liverpool gets the juices flowing anyway. Uh, they've come close. They did brilliantly in the in the Super Cup way back um, in August time, and I suspect they felt they had unfinished business against against Liverpool. Um, and they probably said, looked at Liverpool's team sheet and also saw the performance at Watford and thought, "Look, we've got a chance." Um, I'm not sure they would have had that chance had Gilmore not offered that energy from the first minute, really, um, through through the middle and sort of drove drove them on. And I completely agree with Liam with that shepherding of of Mane in first half stoppage time really summed up his performance, but also his, the anticipation, the the cutting out, the interceptions of, of dangerous passes that he, even in the opening exchanges he, he was doing, and that really set the tone for the evening. And look, there, are lot, there are lots of encouraging signs from, from that game. Kepper comes into that category as well. I mean, he, he didn't have a shot on, on target to save after the 31st minute last night, but the, the, the three saves in succession in... You know, very very short space of time um, early on from I think Mane, uh, I think Jones had a go in there as well, and Origi possibly as well. Uh, that that will have filled him with confidence, and probably that performance gives Lampard an excuse now to to bring him back into the Premier League team. Um, because let's face it, there's got to be more progressive thinking to be playing. A young goalkeeper in Kepa you've paid all that money for rather than picking Willy Caballero every week. Yeah, really big night for Kepa, it felt like. Uh, Sam's been in touch in response to my plea for questions. At Matt Davis Adams, if you want to ask something of the guys, by the way. Uh, he says, more injuries, dot, 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 dot. Well, that's not a question, Sam, but I'll turn it into one. Uh, the only downer from Tuesday night, the injuries to Willian and Kovacic, which saw them withdrawn. Uh, what did Frank Lampard say about that post-match, Simon? And, and did you see either of the two players in the mix zone either? Yeah, so uh, Frank um, basically said they both got Achilles injuries. Uh, that is becoming a little bit of a sensitive word around the Chelsea training ground. There's been a few of those lately, uh, certainly in the last 12 months. Um, but he said that uh, Kovacic, Kovacic's looks more severe than Williams. Um now, I saw Kovacic in the mix zone afterwards and had a chance to ask him about it. And he confirmed he's having a scan uh, on it um, on Wednesday. But 
in classic footballer speak, didn't know how serious it was. But by the look on his face, um, which isn't, you know, by, by any means the deciding factor of how bad this is. But he clearly was a bit troubled by it, a bit concerned about it. And and so should Chelsea because um, with the lack of midfielders available, with, of course, Jorginho suspended for the next three games that Chelsea are playing in. Um, and Kante, who knows if he's coming back anytime soon. Um, there is a bit of concern about Chelsea's lack of options, but as we've already highlighted, um, perhaps this is the perfect opportunity for Gilmore to build on that fantastic performance against Liverpool. Yeah, let's hope so. Finally, Jack's been on. He wants an answer to the $64,000 question. Liam, I'll pitch it to you. Why don't we play with that much intensity, concentration and quality every week? I, I guess it's hard to to um, maintain the kind of levels that we saw on Tuesday night. Yeah, and I, I think there's an element of the level of intensity that Liverpool always bring to a game under clock with their pressing um, kind of generates a sort of fight or flight situation with the other team. And I think Chelsea realised, they, as Dom said, I think they've played Liverpool pretty well twice this season. Um, and I, and they, they tend to react well to teams that, that, that try to press them and come out and try to to attack them essentially and and give them space to to attack in return. They've they've struggled against teams that sit deep, but Liverpool were trying to attack at every opportunity. So I think um, that was a quite a nice style matchup for Chelsea. The fact that it wasn't the strongest Liverpool um, eleven to start also gave them more opportunities to to really get at that Liverpool backline in a way that we haven't seen too much this season. But there's also just a fundamental inconsistency to this Chelsea team, which is uh, quite difficult to explain. They don't they don't bring it the same way every single week, um, but they have tended to to play some of the bigger teams quite well, which I suppose is is an encouraging sign of sorts. Well, the draw for the quarterfinals takes place tonight. That's Wednesday evening as we record. Listener, you probably already know who Chelsea will be facing, so you're a step ahead of us. What we do know is that the Manchester City game, originally scheduled for Saturday the 21st of March, will now be moved as that's the weekend when the quarterfinals will take place. So, Simon, you took one for the team, uh, the team being the Athletic on Monday night, when you went to freezing cold Aldershot to see the latest step in the long road back for Ruben Loftus-Cheek. He played the full game for the under-23s in their 1-0 win against Everton in PLT. You've written about the game and Ruben. That's available on The Athletic now. For anyone who hasn't yet read it, tell us how he got on. Yeah, he got on very well. I think it was definitely a mixed bag of... Um, there was clearly some highlights, some classic clips of Ruben, particularly when he was receiving the, the ball with his back to goal and would turn, turn away from his marker and 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 put the ball into um, a teammate's path perfectly. Certainly, he could. He exuded that first team quality um, on occasion. There are other times where he, he'd try a trick, get away from someone, but he's perhaps lacked that yard of pace, um, which is understandable given this was his first full ninety minutes to to get away from um, everyone, and and they'd get back and tackle him. So that, as I spoke to him afterwards. Um, in and off the record chat, he, he's aware that he's not fully match fit yet. But he he made the point that the most encouraging um, signs was that he he was on the receiving end of some pretty tough tackling at times, and the fact that he was able to get up and and his body took it, and and he didn't feel any sort of discomfort from his Achilles or anywhere else. Um, 
he, he sort of took that as a real sign that he, he's on the right path and he's getting closer to, to where he needs to be. And certainly the crowds, you know, what crowd that did turn up, which was basically all cheer on Ruben, left very happy and, and so did he. What do you think, Liam? Is he, is he going to be in the squad for the Everton game, given the, the injury problems that are mounting up in midfield? Well, given that he's already been on the bench a couple of times, um, despite the fact that Lampard said he didn't really have much of an intent of using him, suggests that he probably will be in the squad against Everton because Jorginho's out, now Kovacic is out as well. Um, there will be a need for, for more cover in central midfield, particularly if, if Gilmore starts. I think in terms of him being a meaningful contributor to Chelsea, I think uh, everyone's going to have to be realistic. Um, you know, you, you've heard Simon talk about what he looked like in that development squad game. Lampard has repeatedly called him um, sort of short of, of the, the physical intensity um, required of first team level and, and, and that's building that back up is going to be a slow process and then there's the mental process of him completely trusting his body again uh, and we've seen Callum Hudson-Odoi go through that as well and have his ups and downs he, he seemed to be just getting into his stride before unfortunately he got that hamstring injury which is which has slowed him down a bit again so um, it's going to be a, a slow process and maybe, you know, a couple of steps forward, one step back for Loftus-Cheek. And it's probably wise for Chelsea not to depend on him for the foreseeable future. So Sunday sees part two of Chelsea's Mersey mission this week as Everton visit West London. Carlo Ancelotti will return to Stamford Bridge. At the time of recording, we don't know whether he'll be on the touchline. He has until Thursday this week to accept an FA charge of misconduct after his red card in the aftermath of the draw against Manchester United. If he accepts the charge, he'll get an £8,000 fine, but he'll be OK to be in the away dugout. Uh, Dom, you covered Chelsea when the King of the Rays eyebrow was in charge. How impressed have you been with the impact he's made at Goodison Park? Yeah, he's done brilliantly. And, and I suppose you'd expect some kind of knee-jerk reaction to, to his arrival. When you bring in a manager of his calibre, it must just raise the spirits of, of the entire club. Although we should probably pay testament to the fact that Duncan Ferguson did a great job in the immediate aftermath of Marco Silva's dismissal. Um, Chelsea were victims of the sort of Ferguson effect um, when he first came in. Um, but, but you know what you're going to get with Carlo. I, I'm intrigued to see how that works long term because Carlo Ancelotti has a reputation for coming into clubs that are very very close to being the finished article and he takes that particular team to the next stage and and wins silverware he's an elite coach of elite clubs well he's not gone to an elite squad there at Everton he's gone to an aspirational club a club that that has ambitions to to return to the sort of glory days of the 80s etc but but is 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 at some way off, and indeed, when you know when he was first contacted by Everton, they were they were looking more like you know, this was going to be a relegation scrap than than the pursuit of the Europa League places. As it is, he's the impact that he's had. He's he's taken them to the cusp of those those European places. I think they've they've sort of run aground a bit in recent weeks, but that they will provide Chelsea with a a stern test this weekend, um, and. They're a strong, physically imposing team and, and, and he has got them playing well. I mean, look at the effect that he has had, Ian Ferguson, have had on Dominic Calvert-Lewin. You'd expect Calvert-Lewin to be a menace for for Chelsea's back line, whoever is picked on Sunday. I think it's going to be a, a real test of, of where Chelsea are. 
And Dom, what's your understanding of the relationship between Angelotti and Lampard? Obviously, it appears that the relationship between Mourinho and Lampard changed quite significantly as soon as as Lampard became a rival to Mourinho. I'm guessing it's probably not the same kind of thing. Angelotti doesn't seem like that kind of guy from the outside. Is Is it still cordial between them? As far as I know, yeah, everybody, I think, who was at Chelsea at that time had good words to say of, about Carlo. Um, I think there was a, a a real sense of disappointment that what happened in that second season happened. I mean, the, the bad moment that was prolonged from the the late autumn through to, you know, the shoots of spring and, and, and they just couldn't buy a win in that in that time. There were some horrific results. And I think that that confounded... Carlo, he didn't really know how to 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 raise a team out of a slump because he really wasn't used to that. I don't think even even after his years at Milan, um, it was it was a new problem and not one that he particularly addressed well. Um, he had a similar similar situation weirdly in his first season at Paris Saint Germain, where they they threw away a, a league title with a dreadful run mid season, um, but it all it's all picked up again since then. But look, I think there's a, there's good relationship between Chelsea, even the Chelsea hierarchy and Carlo Ancelotti. Um, he he is a really likable man. We had some. He was he was great to cover. I mean, he wasn't the most quotable all the time, but I mean, he used to take he took the press out to to dinner at the end. He and Ray Wilkins used to take us out, and it was he, he was just good good company, full of good stories. Had a wonderful playing career. Came with all the you know the glitz and glamour of a of a manager who'd done everything at AC Milan, um, including throwing away a three 0 half time lead in the Champions League final, um, and was a joy to cover. And it was a it was a real disappointment for everybody, including the press. I think when when it all went so wrong in that second period, second season, and and he ended up leaving. He was a dead man walking for a long time. It was a bit of a Claudio Ranieri situation in many ways because from really January February time in that second season. We knew he wasn't going to be there in charge the next year, and he, but he he sort of dealt with that with dignity as well, which and almost almost mustered a, a, a title challenge right at the end until that defeat at Old Trafford that, that sealed Chelsea's fate. Uh, Liam, one thing he's done really effectively since, since he's come back to England is make a pairing out of Calvert Lewin and Richarlison. How are, how are Chelsea going to combat that? Will they stay with with the back four that, that worked against Liverpool, or, or go back to the uh, the three at the back? Do you think? I think it depends less on the defence and, and more on whether Lampard feels that with Kovacic out, he has enough central midfield cover to play a three as opposed to a two. Um, because the the one benefit of a back three with wing backs is you can get away with two, two in central midfield because you can generate advantages elsewhere on the pitch. I suspect he might go with 4-3-3 because I think the returns have generally been been pretty good with that system. Um, and I think he wants to try and preserve some momentum. You know, that this is the kind of result against Liverpool that can give Chelsea some valuable momentum going into what is a crucial stage of the season, and they are playing an Everton team that are in form um, and who have played even some of the better teams pretty well in recent weeks. So Calvert-Lewin is going to be a nuisance, as he was at Goodison, uh, and, and certainly... You know, if, if Christensen and Zuma play against him, they're going to have to deal with him a lot better than they did that day. Um, but I think someone like Rhys James will probably relish the the physical challenge of, of trying to keep up with Richarlison as well. 
and it's going to be an in, an intriguing game because I think both teams have the capacity to to ask each other some serious questions at both ends of the pitch. Simon, aside from injuries, are you expecting it to be largely the same lineup as Liverpool? I'm guessing uh, the two Gs, Gilmore and Giroud, will be the first names that, that Lampard puts on his team sheet. One would have thought so. Um, uh, partly out of necessity, uh, as we're talking about lack of bodies, but also because of their, their genuine form. I think Giroud sort of went very much under the radar in his performance against Liverpool, don't forget he was up against uh, Van Dijk and Gomez, um, sort of arguably Liverpool's first choice centre half pairing, and he really bullied them. And and again, he sort of thought that this is a guy that we, we've talked about it before on the pod has been very much underused, but now he's really coming to the fore. I actually spoke to him in the in the mix zone afterwards, and he and he's loving this sort of second chance to to really establish himself albeit latterly in Chelsea's season and Chelsea players thrive off him they they buzz off him as did the crowd from Billy Gilmore's work rate tenacity and diving in to win tackles which I think is something that Chelsea's midfield has been sorely lacking so yes I very much expect those two to 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 be in the side I think because um after the way they played against Liverpool Chelsea need those two well, it's going to be a tough game. Chelsea haven't beaten Everton in any of the last four meetings. They've lost the last two and failed to score in three of those games. And we'll be looking back on it, win, lose or draw, when we return to our regular time slot next week. Remember, you can get this and all the Athletics great podcasts ad-free by listening via the app. Uh, chaps, thanks for your virtual company for this special bonus show. Listener, thanks for lending us your ears. We'll catch up with you soon.